But this morning, this week's a bit of a free hit, so to speak. We're still kind of in the summer, past the gyms and holidays, enjoying roads. Uh, although my sister did text us to text me, sorry, to say, uh, well, she wanted help uh, cheating in a quiz, I think. Uh, and then, then, <laughs> then she said they didn't even mark the quiz. I don't think they could be bothered. And I was like, fair enough with that. But basically, she, she was saying. Please pray for us because it's 32 degrees in the morning and in the afternoons it's so hot that we just can't do anything. So please pray for them that they, I think they're enjoying themselves, but it's a bit too hot in Rhodes. I think if you've ever been to Rhodes, great place to visit, she said. Don't go in July or August because it's too hot. And, uh, but they're having a great time, but it's a bit of a free hit. And in September, we're going to be starting a new series called Blessed, which is going to be great. But this week means that it's a bit of a free hit. It was like, we don't really have a theme for this week, so it was a kind of preach whatever you felt God was saying, and we always do that anyway, but with the new series, Blessed in September, we will be starting our life groups again, and we're going to be doing a study for six weeks called The Blessed Life. It's going to be great. It's going to be really, really, really good. I've only heard, I was actually listening to a podcast of someone... um, and they were talking about one of the actual books or one of the series that actually revolutionized their life was this thing called The Blessed Life. So that was a great encouragement. I had that a couple of weeks ago. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never been to a life group, this is the perfect time to start. And if you do go to life groups, if you don't know what they are, speak at the connection point. They can answer every question. But they're going to be great as we study them. But this morning, I was like, God, what do you really want me to see? What, can, what, what are you wanting me to say? And I really felt it laid in my heart uh, to talk about the, the verses I'm going to read. And also, I was at a training event yesterday morning, and it was referenced, so I felt like that was confirmation that I'm kind of almost on the right track. But it's quite a heavy passage, I'll be honest. Next week will be much more encouraging. I'm not preaching. Well, he's going to preach, and it's going to be great. So this week, I feel like we're going to be a little bit heavy, but it's really just a challenge, because anytime Jesus speaks... He was challenging, and there's a verse I was reading as I was studying it, it says that Jesus sat down. Now, whenever Jesus sat down, you know he's getting, like, this is a real teaching point. Everything Jesus said was like a teaching point, but when he sits down, that's when it's getting a bit real. But it's, it, it, we found it in Mark chapter 9, and it's verses 33 to 50. I'm just going to run through them, and then I'll give a little bit of context. But after they arrived at Capernaum, this is Jesus and his disciples, and he settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who's not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth. That person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust me in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. 
It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes be thrown into hell. Where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. It's quite heavy stuff. Just to clarify, I don't actually believe Jesus is saying here, go and cut your hand off. That's not, like sometimes when God, Jesus was teaching, it would be literal, and then other times he would use a metaphor to try and emphasize the point. Jesus here is really trying to communicate that actually, it's, your life means that you don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it talks about, Paul wrote in Romans about being a living sacrifice. And I don't mean like we need to go and be weird about it, but actually it means that there's some stuff in my life that God has not got for me that I have to, I want to do it. It'll be fun. I might enjoy it in the moment, but actually I have to deny that of myself because I'm called to live the way God calls. So please, don't anyone hear this and think, I need to go and cut my hand off because you know, I punch someone like, that's not what we're saying. When we get angry, please don't go and, that's not what Jesus is saying. But to give you a bit of context here, Jesus has had his moment of, like, Jesus has basically been teaching the disciples to do stuff, but Jesus has basically arrived on a scene just before this, where there's a person who's basically, there's a, a person who's demon-possessed, and they've tried to cast it out, and it didn't work. And Jesus then, being, someone says, oh, well, questions Jesus, and Jesus says one of the greatest things he ever said, where he says, Anything, with God, all things are possible, if you just believe. It was almost like that someone said something and then Jesus took it personal. I don't know if you've ever had that. I'm a football fan and it's quite funny. Recently, Cristiano Ronaldo was a football player and he was playing in a final and he was playing against a team. Now, I don't know where you sit in the Ronaldo-Messi debate, but Ronaldo's a great player, Messi's a great player. But basically, they were playing against this team. This team scored 1-0 and their player went, which is Ronaldo's iconic celebration. Now, if you scored in the last kick of the ball to win the game, maybe you could get away with that. But I have this joke with Gary. I'm like, Ronaldo took that personally. Because his team won 2-1, and Ronaldo scored both goals. And he done so. And I was like, that might sound silly to you, but I feel like in this moment, anytime Jesus was questioned, or anyone questioned, it's like Jesus took it personal. It's like, oh, really? You can't do anything about that? Well, watch what I... Can do, and Jesus wasn't arrogant like a football player, but it was like Jesus was on this scene where, and it's funny because his disciples were really dumb. Because actually, the disciples saw someone else doing something they couldn't, and they were a bit jealous because they couldn't do it. And Jesus was t- trying to teach them about actually, it's not about you, but I've entitled this message Taste Test. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of a taste test, but the only fam- thing I've got about it is like when you have. Everyone knows I'm a fan of Coca-Cola. It's bad for my teeth. I get loads of fillings, but I like Coca-Cola. But I don't want your fake cola. I don't want Pepsi. I don't want Coke Zero. I don't want Pepsi. I want the real thing. But basically, people do this thing where it's a taste test. And they'll have like Coke, Pepsi, Coke Zero, Pepsi Max. Then they'll have like a cheap off-brand cola. And someone will taste it, and then you have to guess what each one is. Now, I've never done it. But I am 100% confident, I might not get all the other rubbish ones right, but I am 100% confident I would get Coca-Cola right. Why? Because it's the best. 
And if you disagree with me, I can pray for you afterwards. Because I'm right and you're obviously, no, I'm just kidding. But why? Because I want the real thing. And actually, I believe this message, Jesus is trying to communicate to us and to his disciples that actually life is like a taste test for you. He says in Matthew's gospel, it's recorded where he says to his people that you are the salt of the earth. He says that he's the light of the world, but then he says you are a city on a hill. You are called to be a light. You don't put a light hidden away. You put it where everyone can see it. And actually, our lives are like a taste test as we reflect Jesus. That's what he calls us to do. But you see, the issue is sometimes we can, or maybe it's just me, but we can end up getting into a point where actually my life then becomes about me. See, Jesus asked his disciples what they were talking about. And now when Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer, by the way, as is evidenced by the fact if you paid attention to the verse, it says, Jesus asked them, what were you talking about? They said nothing. Jesus then addresses the thing that they were talking about by talking about being, why? Because he knows the answer. He just wants you to be open to him. But you see, they were arguing about things that really didn't matter. They were too busy arguing about who was the best. Now, I like being the best. I like to win. I like to be number one. But actually, when it comes to this moment and when it comes to Jesus, actually, it's not about me. In fact, it's really nothing to do with me at all. Because ultimately, the question of who's the greatest in God's kingdom, there's only one who's the greatest. We've sang about him all morning, and his name's Jesus. So you can never be the greatest in God's kingdom because that place is already taken by Jesus. And ultimately when all is said and done, if I have 15 crowns and Scott's got 50 crowns, all of our crowns are going to be laid at the feet of Jesus who's going to have the crown that goes above every crown. So it really doesn't matter. And yet Jesus could have easily answered this question by saying, I'm the greatest. Stop talking about it. But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted them to understand that actually your life is not about you. Because if it was all about Jesus, and it is, Jesus would have just stayed in heaven and been in there with all the angels forever, but he didn't. Because he stepped from heaven to earth, made himself last and the least of all, in order that he could reflect and show us how he wanted us to live. You see, if you want to be salty, if you want to pass the taste test, then you have to really understand that it's about a heart issue, but it's about other people. It's not about building a brand or a name for yourself. Because it's never about you and it's never about me. How do we do when we compare and compete with others? I had the honor of uh, speaking at a thing called Tidelines, uh, like a conference, and it was great. But it was on the same time as my friend Alan Ross. And I was telling everyone to go and hear him because he's great. And, um, and they did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And, um, but it was great. And we had this conversation. And ultimately, the conclusion we came to is that it's never about us anyway. We're literally just servants of God. And actually, if it becomes about us, then we're going to lose the... Then we'll just give a talk that will never make any difference in anyone's life. Not that we do, because ultimately, it's Jesus that worked through us. But, but how's your taste when you go to work and environments? How are you with others? In a world that's so real and everyone's at each other's throats, it feels like, what are you like? What am I like? Do I reflect Jesus or am I always trying to win the argument, trying to get the last word in? Am I always trying to win at everything at work in a doggy dog environment and business? It can be so cutthroat, but actually, is that the way I want to be? Because is it about living in the moment and being the greatest on earth or is it actually having an eternal impact? 
the next thing I know about the disciples is, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jesus, is, Jesus must have tore his hair out. Because it's like someone, like, they skip over the fact that someone was, like, p- possessed by demons. Another group cast them out in Jesus' name. And the disciples are upset because they're not part of our group. Like, when we read that, we can laugh at it. But how often, and I've been guilty of this, have I been just the same? God's doing something over there, and they don't go to the church I go to. They're not part of the domination I'm part of. And, well, do you know what? Well, I don't tell them to stop in Jesus' name, but I, I certainly judge them, and I think, well, is that true? And, and I've been guilty of it. I remember growing up in church, and we, we always thought we'd done youth best. Like we, we were fun. Like we would have like gatherings of youth together and we would not like it. Why? Because it was boring. It was not what we were trying. But ultimately, they were teaching the same Jesus we did. And actually, as a young person, I was too immature to understand that. But see, as I've got older, I'm like, I cheer on anyone who is preaching the true Jesus. They might not be my cup of tea. <laughs> they might not sing songs that I like. They might not even have the style I like. There might be even some things that I kind of, am, mm, I'm not sure I agree with you on that. But actually, if you're preaching Jesus, <laughs> then I'm going to cheer you on. I ain't going to slag you. I ain't going to tear you down. I ain't going to compete with you or question. Why? That's why, please, um, this is about, I understand it's a bit all over the place. But can we, I'm asking, I'm not sure if Pastor Jim agree, but he trusts me, so it's fine. But see when other Christians or other churches who are, I, I make mistakes, can we not cheer that on? <laughs> can we not celebrate that? And actually, can we pray? And it's not that we don't question when things go wrong, and I'm not saying that we should just, but can we not celebrate when other people fall? I don't want to, I'm not saying that you do, but I've seen a lot of Christians, particularly on social media, where they can celebrate when a minister fails or when a, a church falls. I ain't going to celebrate that. If they're not preaching the true gospel of Jesus, then fair enough, that's their own problem. But see when someone who has built a ministry on Jesus and they make a mistake, can we just pray for them? And can we pray for their church? Can we pray for the people? I'm just, why? Because I don't want to be someone who celebrates and tells other people to be quiet when they're preaching the true Jesus. Everything else is a conversation. Everything's about Jesus and everything else. Let's just have a conversation. You know, as you know, we are doing a church plant in Cumnock and we're at different phases, and I please encourage you, the praise nights we've been doing in Cumnock at 6 o'clock, they've been great. We've had two, we've got two more to go for now, but they've been amazing. But as part of the process, we wrote a letter to the churches in Cumnock to basically say, thank you for what you're doing. We're in this fight with you. We're not in competition with you. And we wanted to honour what they've already been doing and champion what they're doing and just to let them know we're coming and we're not coming to steal anyone we're actually just coming to support what you're already doing and to reach the lost people of coming up and one of the the ministers i'm not going to name them but they basically wrote an email back now i'll be honest in the past i've heard about church plants coming to our area and my first response was well who are you what are you doing why are you coming here being honest do you know what they wrote back? I've been praying for another church to come who are biblically sound and who preach Jesus. And, and do you know what? We're probably not their cup of tea. They probably would not come to our church when we came. But do you know what his heart was? That we're all part of the same team. That actually, if you're preaching Jesus, 
then actually I'm going to celebrate you and I'm going to champion you and we're going to support you and we're going to pray for you. And you know what? I'm believing that because of his attitude towards us, I believe that God's just going to bless him and bless his family and bless his church. Why? Because I'll be honest, I'm not bothered which church people go to as long as they go to one which teaches Jesus and develops them. And so if we, by us going and praising in Cumberland, I'm believing there's going to be an overflow that pours into the other churches in Cumberland. And it's not about us. Why? Because it's all about him. And so my challenge for us is that if we want to pass the taste test, then we kind of have to understand that actually if someone's talking about Jesus and it's true biblical truth and that salvation is found in him, then I'm going to cheer on. And I might not agree with everything they say, and I might not agree with their style, I might not like their style, but guess what? We're all in the same team. And ultimately, there's only one church and it belongs to Jesus. And you see, the, the, the other thing I note here is the, the last part, that everyone's going to be tested. And actually, nobody likes being tested. I mean, exam results came out, and I'm pretty sure some people would be happy, but nobody actually likes sitting exams. If you were that person, again, I will pray for you. You definitely don't like Coca-Cola. You're, you're definitely a Pepsi Max drinker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you see, the taste test is actually, I'm called to be different. I'm called to walk into a place, and the environment should change. Why? Because I'm not like anyone else. I'm not better than anyone else, but there's something different about me. Why? Because Jesus is at work in me and I can carry his presence to where I go and actually I don't want to we went to the fringe yesterday to support Mark Ritchie our comedian friend and it, it, it was great but see everywhere know what this new thing that's taken over it's like free personality tests personality, take this quiz and it will tell you who you are like I've got no issue if you take personality tests that's a, you, you, you do you but I don't need a personality test to tell me who I am. And the world is going to, I mean, they're everywhere, Enneagram, whatever you want to call them, and you're a type seven or a type, I don't know what it is. I do the silly ones where it's like, which Star Wars character are you? Darth Vader. Because you answer the questions to try and get the character you want to get. But you do these personality tests and it'll tell you all your personality, it'll tell you everything about, but it's a cheap knockoff to what Jesus offers. Because I don't need a test to tell me who I am because the Bible tells me who I am. And actually, the, the, the world can offer this cheap, and I'm not trying to say they're bad, like, don't hear what I'm not saying. But actually, if, I, if the world finds their identity, identity and what a personality test tells them or what someone labels them as or how many Instagram posts they're like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to pass the taste test because I want to reflect who Jesus says that I am. That's why I don't want your cheap Coca-Cola. I want the real thing. And how much more do I want the real, authentic Jesus? I want to be a person, and I'm not saying I'm perfect as I'm really not, but I want to be a person who walks into an atmosphere of darkness and brings light. I want the atmosphere in the room to change when I walk in, not because I walked in, but because the God in me walks in the room with me. And actually that might mean that there's some things in life, as Jesus says, that you need to cut off. Actually, if there's things that you need to detach yourself from, and it doesn't make the thing bad, but actually if this is stopping you from being effective at being salt, of the earth and actually maybe you have to look at it and do some self-reflection and say do you know what I need to kind of back away from this thing I need to back away from that environment why because it's not that the people are bad it's not that that thing is bad but actually it's stopping me from being the salt that Jesus calls me to be and at the start of the year I fasted fizzy drinks and it was horrific it was awful it was bad Coca-Cola no and I'd done it and for two weeks I had headaches I was I was 
struggle. I was unwell. Why? Because I became so dependent on this sugar intake in my body. But then guess what? About week three, I started to feel great. I started, and actually there's some things in life where if this was easy, and I did see it behavior then, but there's a time, there might be some things in your life that you've become, that you've become almost dependent on. That it's become a crutch that's like, but guess what? It's affecting your salt lip. It is affecting your ability to be the salt of the earth like Jesus calls us to be. And you might try in a moment of like, in a moment of faith, be like, I'm going to cut it off. But guess what? See, for two weeks, or maybe even longer, you're going to feel a bit unwell. You're going to be so tempted. I mean, the temptation everywhere I went, Coca-Cola was right there. But I was like, no, I'm cutting and actually the temptations will come. It may be on your phone. It may be in your lap. I guarantee you, but here's the thing. There will be a day when actually when you've cut away enough, where actually you can walk. And do you know what will happen? People will notice a difference about you. Why? Because not because of anything you've done. It's because there's something. Why is it that you're different? Why is it that actually you used to do it and now you don't? Well, actually it's because of Jesus. And ultimately we are purposely all about Jesus. We are unapologetically about Jesus. And you see, we're not called to just be like everyone else. We're called to be something more. And actually, it's a real challenge, and the worship team can come up, but I remember the, the story. It's an old story, and I wish I had one of my own, so clearly I need to work on this stuff. But I remember the story about Lindsay at school when she, Lindsay being my sister, and actually she got moved to English class, and she was raging. Because she was in a good English class, and then, like, if anyone's ever worked in a school, you know what it's like changing classes through the summer. And so she got moved to a different, no, it wasn't even English, it was maths, maths class. Got the story wrong. And she got moved maths class, and she was upset. I mean, my parents don't really fuss too much, but when, so when my parents, like, write to the school, <laughs> they've got, like, that's a big deal. So my dad, but then they couldn't do anything about the maths class. So Lindsay ends up in the maths class, and she's sitting next to a girl called Amy. And months go by, weeks go by, she didn't really know Amy, but then there was something about her that Amy was like, there's something different about you. Is it the Jesus thing? Because she obviously knew she was. And actually, it's just that, is it the Jesus thing? But why? Because Lindsay, was, I was going to say she was salty, but that's probably an insult in modern times. But actually, Lindsay clearly reflected the flavor of, I, I, I've seen something different about you. There's a taste test that happens all the time and clearly you taste differently to anything that the world offers. The Bible talks, and that's way about context, but it says, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And actually, the glimpse that people will get of Jesus is you. In terms of, I would love to be involved in schools all the time and teachers are, do you know how the best people are to reach your schools and to change them? Those kids out there. You know the best person to reach your neighborhood? You. You know the best person to reach your family? Is you. Why? Because God's placed you there. And you have relationship and influence, but ultimately if we just look exactly as the world looks, and we give them a cheap knockoff personality test, and actually Jesus doesn't really make any difference to my life. But I don't want, that's not what we're called to. We're called to, for people to look at us and think, actually, you're... So see when the world's freaking out? Why are you so peaceful? See when everything else is, like, everyone's losing it. Why are you so calm? Oh, yeah, let me tell you. It's Jesus. 
he is my peace. Oh, it's like, why is it that when, like you seem to have the faith to believe that that sickness can be healed. Why? Well, it's Jesus. So actually there's, why? Because it's all about Jesus. Life is a taste test. Whether we like it or not, and the reality is, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and Jesus is like, do you know what? Where was the flavor? Where was the added value that you added to everyone's life? And ultimately, I hope that that is the prayer for us all. And so my challenge to you is that how we treat others, make it not about me, but actually about others. Let's celebrate Jesus and celebrate those who preach Jesus all across our towns and nations. If they are preaching Jesus, let's cheer them up. But ultimately, let's actually reflect the flavor of God and spend time with him over the things that we don't want cheap knockoff. I don't want like Instagram moments. I want the real, authentic, behind the scenes Jesus. Every area of my life, Jesus. I want, when I walk in a room, people to just notice the difference. Why? Because it's Jesus at work through me. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship our amazing God. Father God, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for who you are. But God, I just pray for the challenge that for all of us, that we will be people who, when they, when they look at us, they see you. Father God, I pray that as we just draw close to you, as we spend time with you, as we read your word, as we pray with you, as we worship you, God, help us to stay away from the things that would easily make us lose our flavor. And help us to just reflect you in our world in order that more people can see you and come to you. Father God, we thank you for what we're doing in Cumberland. We thank you for the churches in Cumberland and Presswick and all the towns. Father God, we just pray that you will bless them. Father God, we pray that for every church where Jesus is proclaimed and the gospel is shared, Father God, that lives will be added to your kingdom through that. Because ultimately salvation is found in you and you alone. In the name of Jesus. Amen.